I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. This is why... Yeah! Sorry. This is the Rich Eisen Show. We watch. Touchdown, Georgia. Let the celebration begin. Live from the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles. This is why we love the Rich Eisen Show. Earlier on the show, Packers tackle David Bakhtiari. Pro Football Hall of Famer Michael Irvin. Tennessee State head coach Eddie George. Coming up, 49ers linebacker Fred Warner. Plus, from HBO Max's Peacemaker, actor John Cena. And now, it's Rich Eisen. Hour number three of the Rich Eisen Show is on the air. And don't worry, I will not use this cadence for the entire hour. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) I just like being, I mean, you gotta, you know, you gotta bring people in. It's a big hour. You know? I feel you. Last two hours were big, too. They're all big. Why am I yelling? I'm just excited. It's a playoffs, man. Let's go. Coming up, the college football season just ended. You know, my team lost to the eventual national champions in Georgia. And you, you feel know, good about that? I feel great about okay, that. Let good. me tell you the story about okay, good. when I was an intern at the Staten Island Advanced. I'm going to completely uh, bare my soul here. Uh, <laughs> I was an intern at the Staten Island Advance. Advance. Advance, right. And, and I, I absolutely fell in love with a, uh, a fellow intern there. This is, pre- <laughs> this is prior to Susie, right? Uh, Susie, I didn't even know she existed in the world. This is fresh out of college. Fell in love with her. And, you know, I, I, uh, I asked her out. I got the Heisman. Didn't work. She wound up marrying somebody else there. From the paper? Yeah. Tough to handle, but guess wow. what? When you lose, you want to lose to somebody who wins the title, right? Yeah, I think so. You see what I'm saying? Do you pick up what I'm putting down? I feel you, brother. Uh, So, yeah, we lost to the champs. And you know what? They were destined. We went up against destiny. It wasn't us. It wasn't us. It was destiny. And by destiny, I mean the officials. (laughs) (laughs) Imagine if I came on the air and started blaming Michigan's loss on the officiating. I was ready to blame George's loss on the officiating last night. Uh, well, because of the because of that that no, fumble was, that was, wasn't. They, they were just brutal, and I was getting so many tweets from people. Welcome to the ACC, ACC every uh, week. No, 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 no. Good lord! All right. At uh, any rate, we're ready for the playoffs. We're good. The we're NFL playoffs. playoffs, and so is this man. Um, he he made the All Pro and Pro Bowl uh, list, first team All Pro in the National Football League last year. He has been the proverbial house of fire in the middle of this 49ers defense ever since they took him out of the third round of the draft 
in 2018. He is Fred Warner of the San Francisco 49ers here on the Rich Eisen Show. How are you, Fred? I'm great, Rich. How are you doing? I'm doing uh, I'm doing great. Thanks for calling in. We've never spoken before. It's a pleasure to meet you. Uh, I like the way you play the football games, <laughs> sir. Hey, thanks. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Well, it looks like you like hitting people, Fred. Is that a true story? What do you think? <laughs> it looks like to me. That's my, that's my job. That's part, that's part of the deal. So, uh, yeah, that, where do you, I enjoy it. Where do you get this mentality from? You know, I think it's just something that's kind of been built over time. Um, you know, great mentors, people around me. Um, you know, I think – the NFL is is a very physical game, and uh, you know the if, if you don't have the mindset, then you're going to get weeded out pretty quick. So uh, it's been something that's kind of just been uh, ingrained in me over time, and uh, I just I mean I, I love the the ability to kind of just put the helmet on and be whoever you want out there. Yeah, it seems also to me that you um, have um, this role that you relish uh, of tone setter. You know, I know you got Nick Bosa and you got some other guys up front in front of you, but it seems like you are that that's your role for the Niners defense, Fred. Would would that be a, a, a proper assumption, do you think here? Uh, yeah, I mean I, I try I try to, you know, I, I try to uh to be the guy to, to bring the energy, uh play in and play out for the defense and you know, I think there's it just depends on, on the play, it depends on the game of of uh, you know, which guy or which group position group is is the one setting the tone on our defense you know I think a lot of the time it's that defensive line and not not because they're uh you know they're just being rowdy before or after the play but just be just the way that they that they play uh you mentioned cut some of those guys uh we have a lot of stars on that front and uh and I say stars in the, in the fact that how they play not just because of guys being well known amongst the league um you know and I obviously those are those are my best friends because they keep they make my job easy, you know, and keep me clean so I can make tackles and stuff. But, um, yeah, I, I do uh, I do take a, a, a large responsibility in and, that. And so much made, obviously, of uh, your defensive coordinator the last couple of years. He was at this very moment uh, last year a freshly minted uh, hot uh, coordinator candidate and head coach with the Jets now in Robert Sala. Walk me through D'Amico Ryans, who is a a familiar name for a lot of NFL fans over the years, remembering from his playing days. But what about him as the D.C. right now for you and what he's done? Uh, You got a good story on that, Fred, for me? Uh, Well, you know, I I think something that's well known, uh, you know, just I think for obviously everybody, everybody that's been around the Niners, um, you know, he, he came in as a linebacker coach the same time that I came in uh, my first year as a as a linebacker for the defense. Uh, we we've grown in this thing together, and you know we me and him know each other really well, and I think that's why we have such a great um, connection and and we work so well on on throughout the week and on game days. But D'Amico is is as as first class and um, you know just as great as they come. Seriously, uh, you talk about a guy who played the game at such a high level, and you know is now coaching at the highest level, you know, finishing in the top three as a defense in, in his first year, um, you know, and I think that's just a product of the standard that he set, you know, and it, there was already a standard set here by Robert Sala, um, you know, who I have a great amount of respect for and admiration for, but uh, I think the fact that D'Amico is able to come in and, and put his own twist on it, uphold the standard, even raise the standard um, is amazing, you know, and I think that's that's why we all – I mean, we, we, we love the way that he coaches and he teaches, and that's why we're able to play so hard on Sunday because we believe in everything that, that he preaches to us. 
Let's talk about this past Sunday, Fred Warner, San Francisco 49ers linebacker. What happened in the locker room halftime? Because, oh my gosh, it looked like a totally different team came out and played that third quarter and got you back into a game that you eventually won in overtime. What happened at halftime? Yeah, uh, you know, I wish I wish I could say that there was all this screaming and yelling and uh, <laughs> guys trying to rally each other, right? But um, you know, it it really wasn't uh, there wasn't much that needed to be said. You know, I, I told the entire team after we kind of brought it up. I said, you know, there's there's no tomorrow. If we don't win this game, that this, this is going to be our last game. And so, if if anybody in that moment had kind of felt like they they wanted to reserve something, you know, uh, heading into that last thirty minutes, like this is the time to kind of just let it all out. Uh, we understand that football, especially in the NFL, is all about the turnover battle. Uh, we need, on defense, we needed to take the ball away. And the offense, obviously, having to um, keep the ball and, and, and scoring it in that first, that first drive after the half was, was huge. Even that three points before the half was, um, was really big for us. Um, and so I think once we kind of got that momentum going and then the defense, we just needed to get off on third downs, you know, tighten up in the back end. And as soon as we got that interception by Emmanuel Mosley, uh, I think that's what kind of you started to see the game kind of go our way a little bit. Yeah, man. I mean, you got your punters kicking. You got your receivers running. I mean, it's just uh, everybody's just doing what they have to do here to get things done. Uh, What was it like for you? Again, I know all alpha males and all football players are control freaks in a way, but you're standing there and you watch Jimmy G take the field with your offensive mates, uh, 88 yards, 87 seconds to go, and the season's on the line. What was that? Walk me through your your moments there, Fred. Sure, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, it was it was incredible. I mean, just all the way through, honestly. And and Jimmy coming up big exactly where we needed him to. And, you know, he the fact that he came back from that, that thumb injury and, uh, you know, it's not something that – I had that same exact thumb injury back in 19 when we went to the Super Bowl, and obviously it's different when you play linebacker compared to quarterback. I couldn't imagine him trying to grip a football because that tendon is exactly what you need to grip things. And so, um, you know, it's just, it's just a incredible stories all along the team of guys coming off COVID lists and, and back from injuries and stuff. And, um, you know, in that moment it was just like, you like you said, like you feel kind of helpless, but at the same time you have complete trust and belief in your teammates to get the job done, uh, you know, to make sure we we extend our our, uh, our season. Yeah, and again, after last year where you didn't even – you were playing home games in, in, in the home of a division rival, I mean, and, and, and on the road for, for as long as you were, and what a horrible year that was despite your personal success. But, so what are you – like, is this house money for your team right now? What do you think? Succeed, nobody's – you know, uh, you, you're 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 that team nobody really wants to face. I mean, I had Michael Irvin on earlier, uh, Fred Warner. Um, I had Michael on before, and you know he's a Dallas Cowboy Hall of Famer, as you know. Mm-hmm. I said, let's be honest, the Niners are the team you, the last team that you'd wanted to face, right? And he said, yes, he fully admitted that. You know that you're that team, right, Fred? Correct. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it sounds flattering for sure. Um, you know, I, I do have a lot of confidence in our team, but. I mean, you you could say the same thing about like let's let's say the roles were reversed and Cowboys were at the six seed and we were at the three seed. You know, wh- wh- who's the last team you want to play at six seed? You know, you don't want to play the Cowboys. Like they're they're talented in every single position that on their entire team. Like you, you can list little literal stars at each position group. So, you know, 
it, it, it's going to be a battle. It's going to be the biggest one of the year, obviously, which, you know, that's what the playoffs are. And it's going to be two two dogs just going at it. And I think it's going to be a four, four-quarter football game uh, back and forth, and we're going to have to play our best game if we want a chance to win. When you speak to your teammates as a leader, do you do you – you think about it like night before this one to tell the guys when I got on the field, or you just let the you let the moment live for the moment, Fred. Yeah, I think I like? think just let, let you know just living in the moment, you know. And uh, I, I think every every week's different, every opponent's different. Um, and I think you can't like even thinking back to our playoff experience back in '19. I can't I can't really just pull on that experience to try and translate it to this one because it's much different. You know, back then we were the we were the one seed. We had a we had a bye first. Uh, we had a bye week in the first week, and everything ran through uh, San Francisco. And now we're we're listed as you know quote unquote the underdogs and having to go into a a powerhouse team in Dallas and and try to win a game. So you know every every situation is different, and you got to take it as, as it is. And um, I know I know Sunday it'll it'll all come together. All right, don't take what I'm going to ask as an insult. How about that as a setup? hardest hitter on the team fred warner hold on a second fred warner george kittle devo samuel oh wow those are my those are my three options that's it those are the three options fred yeah hardest hitter on the san francisco 49ers unless you you want to give me another one that i'm leaving out i I, I gotta i I gotta just i gotta just say myself then you know and that's just just as as cocky as I am. Okay. (laughs) Did I hear hear like a little laugh when I said Kittle? Did I hear something like that? No, no, no. No? Listen, listen, those guys are unbelievable. And and my true answer out of those three, I'd probably actually say Debo Samuel, (laughs) which is funny because he's he's the receiver and you got a linebacker and a tight end. But, um, you know, I I think back to that play on the sideline, him against uh, Jalen Ramsey, and Jalen gave it all he got, but – Debo is just is just a different beast. Um, you know, it's going to take more than one to bring him down. He doesn't do that in practice to you, right, Fred? I mean, like no, that doesn't no, happen, no. right? You know, he knows better than that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm wondering though, do you sometimes watch the film of what Debo does to others and think for a split second, like I'm kind of glad that guy's on my team? Like, do you, I'm glad. I'm right? glad a lot of those. Guys I'm sure. Are on our team. You kidding me? Like, you, you look at Trent Williams, for example, and the things that he does to right. to D linemen and linebackers. I'm, I always think back to that clip against against Hicks last year in that first game. I'm like, whew, thank goodness he's on my team. I bet. Well, have a great time, man. I can't wait. I will be watching. I can't wait for this game. You obviously know the the history of it uh, before you, you know, you even, you know, existed. But um, it, it's going to be great. I can't wait for it. And I hope this is the first of many times we chat. Thanks for calling in, Fred. Appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, no doubt, Rich. I appreciate it. Thank you. You bet. That's Fred Warner of the San Francisco 49ers taking on the Dallas Cowboys. Just talking to him just got me all fired up. (laughs) Zeke's going to get it. There's going to be a hole, and Fred Warner's going to be on the other side of it, and we're going to see what happens. That's a battle of wills. Yes, indeed. Debo Samuel's going to get it. Going to be a hole, and waiting for him might just be Micah Parsons. Will be Micah Parsons. (laughs) Well, I mean, not unless he's edge rushing. You know, Micah, he's all over the field. I'm just, no, there ain't I'm no just telling where about, he might be. You know what I mean? Like, Fred, you know you know, Fred's going to be in the hole. Yeah, yeah. You don't know where Micah's going to be placed. That's, that's part the, of him, too. Yeah, that's the right? the greatness of right? it. Right? Yeah. See where I'm going with this game? This is like, let's go.
I think you you need to pace yourself because you've got an emotional investment here. <laughs> pace myself for what? I haven't said anything. For game day. No, I think you oh. just like hold them back is what I'm saying. You I'm, can't be like I'm so confident. This I, is- you have you guys have not in two days heard me say anything to that effect. That I'm, is correct. I'm a little nervous. No, man. yeah, yeah, he's nervous. I don't like the Niners. Why can't I, you just say that? Yeah. You you need to confirm to me. Well, I have to I have to translate. I, I speak uh, okay. TJ. <laughs> <laughs> Brock would speak still too TJ. You're fluent in all I'm the rich all, show languages. All show languages. He knows. He knows. You're fluent in me. I know that. <laughs> You know, the Niners, uh, traditionally one of my least favorite teams, as you guys know. I don't like the Eagles or the Washington football team or the Giants but the Niners or the mean, Niners. Well, the Niners go back to those 90s days where Irv, some of those great memories Irv said. And then, of course, yesterday was, if I'm not mistaken, the 40-year anniversary of the catch. Correct. And remember, Correct. I did my grab bag on my least favorite sports moments. That's what the I'm catch was number one. <laughs> number one. So yeah, I, I, I'm not gonna lie. This Niner Cowboy game got as, me shook. As called on radio by Jack Buck and on TV by Vin Scully, one of the most seminal sports moments ever, yeah. called by two of the all-time greats. The catch. Get ready for it. You're going to see a lot of that this week. I see a lot of it all the time. Anyway. Well, yesterday is the 40th anniversary, and now the Niners and Cowboys are playing each other in the playoffs. Oh, boy. Rich, can you believe that Irv, who, you know, I put on the pedestal as one of my favorites, thought I was disrespecting him by putting out uh, the I mean, that might be the theme of today's show, where <laughs> everybody says something, they feel like there's some disrespect, and the other people are saying there was no disrespect intended. Yeah, no, of course not. <laughs> That's a theme of this program, is it not? This is the Rich Eisen Show. Hey, folks, it's time for the NFL Draft, which means for me, I need a good night's sleep, because if I don't have one, just not myself. You know the deal. You know exactly how important it is to have quality sleep. It's a game changer for all of us. So sleep number helps me. My sleep number setting is 60. My wife's setting is 70. We both get a great night's sleep because we could adjust the firmness of our mattress on each side. Improve your quality sleep because Sleep Number learns how you sleep thanks to their smart beds and provide personalized insights to help you sleep better. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Let's talk game time. Boy, do we love using game time tickets at the Rich Eisen Show. And every single time I've been watching the basketball playoffs on TV, I've been wondering what it would be like to be at these games. And when you choose your tickets on game time, you can see the view from your seat where the court is, where you are in relation to it. And then the all-in prices, that's my favorite feature. The all-in prices makes sure that you see the lowest price guarantee and also know exactly how much everything costs costs all in before you purchase so all the guesswork is removed when you buy playoff tickets with game time download the game time app create an account and use my code rich for twenty dollars off your first purchase terms apply visit gametime.co for restrictions again create an account redeem my code r-i-c-h for twenty dollars off your first purchase download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed 
Joining us here on the Rich Eyes, it's a big week for this man. Uh, Wipeout returns to TBS at 9 Eastern tonight, starting on Thursday on HBO Max. The Peacemaker premieres, uh, and we've always enjoyed his character uh, of Peacemaker from the Suicide Squad movie of James Gunn's 2021 movie. And, uh, and of course, he's just one of the most popular guys around. He's known as the voice of Ferdinand in my house. I'm going to end this long introduction because we only have a limited amount of time with John Cena. How you doing, John? Rich Eisen, you promotional juggernaut. Thank you very much for the introduction. I appreciate it. You know what? Uh, that may be the nicest thing anyone who's ever called me, John. I'll be very honest with you. Promotional juggernaut. Uh, That's me. I like, I like setting your expectations low, sir. How is <laughs> I am good. What a big week this is in the life yeah, of John Cena. Yeah, huh? very exciting. There's a, you know, a lot of buzz around the show. Um, early reviews have been very strong. Audience engagement is good. I am in New York right now. I know mm. you can't see me, and that's kind of like in a meta thing. That's kind of my existence anyway. <laughs> yes. The full, full Peacemaker costume as we are uh, running through the final moments to get people to watch this thing on HBO Max. So I just need to ask you this. Uh, does this does this mean that you still have television? Because, uh, again, you're, you're not on camera here you still have television appearances for the rest of the day or you're, you're just so committed to the role that you're in character off camera right now I, think a, I, I honestly think a safe answer there is both okay uh, and i'm and i'm okay with saying that both okay you know what yeah. uh, you, that's because you're a professional you're a lead pipe wielding professional i think that's what we would or like to say i'm someone who got lucky to slip into the professional ranks and i really shouldn't be here anyway so <laughs> I figured I'm, gonna, I'm gonna go down swinging with the costume on so now d- it, you lost the lid to to fallon last night is that I the, did okay what happened that he had definite home field advantage that son of a bitch uh <laughs> what I, happened? Don't even, I don't even own the helmet and i lost it um <laughs> I wanted it. We, we we play all these games. We play these stupid games. Sure. We did a, actually, a really cool like football breaking glass one. But we played. We even played a game called fish slap, where you just slap somebody in the face with a fish. There's no like if you get the answer wrong, you get slapped. Mm-hmm. You just slap a person in the face with a fish. Yes. And he called the game fish slap. But there's never any friggin' stakes. Nothing is ever. We don't play for anything. Mm-hmm. So to make something competitively interesting, you got you got to have something on the line. And I foolishly bet the helmet. And I, so he was going to give me a Tonight Show mic, and I said that was oh. garbage. I wanted him to uh, frost his hair tips <laughs> because he would hate it so much. He would have to get a really short haircut. So right, it's going to be a two for one for me. But like I said, uh, sucker's bet, and he knew that he actually knew what game it was, and I had no clue. I went in overconfident. I blame it on the peacemaker outfit. And I ended up uh, losing the helmets. Well, I mean, we have, for those who don't know, I think they all do, but at any rate, the, a shot of the helmet on camera. That looks expensive, John. I'm not going to lie. Does that mean uh, there's a, a garnished wage of some sort in your next uh, paycheck? So I was I was uh, under the impression that I wouldn't be receiving any pay for playing Peacemaker in the first place. Oh. I was just was happy to, that I could get out on the field, so they say, and do my thing. No one has ever referred to me as a professional, and I think one of those things uh, is pay, so... They may have put that one on my tab, uh, the checks in the mail. Can I say that? You can. Hey, man. If they don't get it in a few days, just wait longer. You're John Cena. You can say whatever you want, man. (laughs) You can say whatever you want. And so, okay. Um, You look like you have a blast playing this role, John. No, it's fun. It's fun. And I think the fun thing about it is the guy is so flawed. He is so uh, broken and... There's something about characters, especially when you lean into what I would call an eight-hour movie here on HBO Max, as we got eight episodes of this thing, that you see, and we saw this a bit in The Suicide Squad, he has like a moment, he's just a real, 
just a real bad guy. And his ethos is, uh, I love peace so much, I don't care who I have to kill to get it. Right there you get an idea that this guy is not wired straight. And I think it's his journey. And people like, because when we announced the show, a lot of the audience members were like, why are you giving this douchebag his own show? He's, he's the least likable character in the Suicide Squad. Why wasn't it Bloodsport or Polka Dot Man or Ratcatcher 2? And um, I think it's that engagement of like, can this guy be better? Will this guy grow? What journey am I going to go on? And what hilarity am I going to see on the way? And, and man, hats off to James Gunn and the crew. Uh, James wrote a, a, a beautiful miniseries, and we got, I'm so glad we got, had so much fun doing it. It came out great. And I, I know anticipation is high for the series. And I really hope everybody enjoys it when they can finally see it on HBO Max. John Cena here on The Rich Eisen Show. And so, um, I'm looking at the cast, and of all the cast members, one name leaps out at me, Robert Patrick. I want to talk about yeah. a badass. Um, yeah. You know, he's been here before. We, he and I both share a, a, a love of the University of Michigan together. You got a good Robert Patrick story? I mean, you know, Mr. Uh, T2. I have a good Robert Patrick story. So okay. the very first film I was a part of when I was just a, a, a bright-eyed WWE champion, not knowing which way was up, yes. was a film uh, we did in, in 2004 or five in Australia called The Marine, and mm -hmm. the lead uh, villain in The Marine was none other than the Robert Patrick. Yes. So he kind of got to, and he played one hell of a part for us. I, um, I would have had to be a whole lot better to have sucked in that movie, and he really uh, did the yeoman's work, and it was great, you know, all these years later, you know, almost 20 years later to come back and perform with Robert again. And fittingly enough, he's my dad. He's Augie Smith. Uh, I was, and to have such a, an instrumental role in the series, it was, it was awesome to be able to come back and perform with Robert again. He's one of a kind. He is one of a kind. He's a total badass. And, mis you know, I mean, obviously T2 go way back there, and he must have tons of stories. And that must be just neat stuff when the cameras are off and you just shoot it with him. Uh, and, yeah. and it's neat stuff when they're on, too. I can't wait <laughs> He, he says he had the most fun uh, playing Augie Smith, and he's, he's openly told James Gunn that. And I really hope, uh, you know, that that he's he's really really good at this part, and it's it's he takes some really bold, brave swings, and I'm very happy that uh, he brought that sort of energy to set because I, I I would see only him doing this. John Cena here uh, on the Rich Eisen show. I don't mean to get too deep with you, John, but I'm about to. Let's do it. Okay, so you you play uh, the peacemaker, right? You play peacemaker, and he's a guy who says he's about peace, but clearly, you know, he has conflicts, right? Yep. And you play John Cena in Wipeout, where you revel in people face-planting and having yeah. all sorts of misery. Do you, yeah. do, you, do, you, do you see a theme here, John? Just you, you picking, picking something I, uh, up I here? See, I see a guy trying to connect the dots <laughs> to paint a human being in a light where they're one-dimensional. I see that. <laughs> You see what I mean? I mean, you know, I mean, I people are just absolutely crushing themselves. You're wondering if they're really hurt. You know, we're hoping that... that, that... I never wonder. I know they're okay. Okay. That's, yeah, that's okay. the show. Yeah. All right. They, they, have a, they have a blast on the show. we got a bunch of crazy characters on Wipeout. They know, they know what they're signing up for, and we do a, we do a great job to give them Wipeouts. Rich, that's what we do on Wipeout. That's, <laughs> that's true. So if somebody just like runs straight through it and it's no big deal and they actually show off some actual physical skills, that then then you don't have a show, right? Like, yes, yeah. and I think that's where uh, Nicole and I are the most surprised when someone actually does well because the course <laughs> the course isn't constructed for that. It's not like an American Ninja Warrior thing where you can make right. your own course at home and practice. Yes, it really and the, the, everything is uh, based with water and everything is heavily padded. But it is built for you to spill. It is built for you to 
be a highlight uh, epic fail. And people, I, people embrace that. And, and honestly, we've had people just not run the obstacle. You can time out. There's a time limit on each obstacle. And we've had people just pass. So they, you know, they're brave enough to get cast. They bring this crazy personality. And then they just sit there. And we've watched them just sit there. And mm-hmm. a lot of times it's in the finals, too. And we watch them just sit there and eventually just pass. All right, I got John Cena here uh, on the Rich Eisen show. So you're you're from Massachusetts, John. What where, where's your accent? Did you ever have one? Did you ever have? I, one? Uh, you know, years ago, I went uh, I went to boarding school at age uh, 15, 16 ish, mm-hmm. and that was kind of the beginning of the end for the Massachusetts accent. Now, if you get me back into the the mean street of West Newbury, and uh, <laughs> you know, you give me one too many Sam Adams, uh, <laughs> I. Uh, I may bring it back for a little bit, but okay. maybe I'm saving it. Maybe I'm saving it for another for another character down the road. But that that um, Mark Wahlberg, uh, Matt Damon, yeah, John Cena brothers movie. Good John Cena. So I mean, so do you have it? Like seriously, can you can you bust it out? Can you like uh, give me? A, you know, it, no? it'd be wicked hard. Uh, okay, there it is. Yeah, okay. it'd, be, it'd be wicked hard to bust it out. But like like I said, I need I need beer. <laughs> it's you know because again I I'm I'm from Staten Island New York if you cut me off in traffic it comes out you know what yeah, I mean with, like honestly, it, with me I go back to see my family for the holidays and it takes about three days <laughs> but on the third day it was like I was born and raised in East Boston I love it man. I love it all right let's go back to some more roots I've got uh, my social media grandmaster TJ Jefferson here is a diehard wrestling fan I'll give you the floor TJ for a question. To the great John Cena, go for it. Do, do what you do. Scour <laughs> the, the the map of misinformation and come up with a question. <laughs> Will do. Yes. First of all, John, I want to say congratulations on all your success post wrestling. I mean, I remember watching you in '01 as the prototype doing a car commercial for I think La Brea. That's right for La Brea Chevrolet. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. I remember <laughs> watching that, and then I remember watching you when you made your debut. I was like, yeah, was that the prototype from the car commercial? So, that con- was local access car commercials. That's where it all started for me. <laughs> Congratulations on everything, brother. Thank you so much. Um, I just want to say this. I, I know you're, you've been busy, so you're probably not paying as much as attention to the WWE as you, you probably once did, but there's a lot of weird stuff going on, man. A lot of weird releases, and I know a lot of fans are kind of like... They're curious. They're worried. Do you have any take on, on, on what's going on in you as a former top guy there, would it have bothered you to see all of these people that you could be making money with and having great matches with let go? Well, okay. Um, th- there's, there's a lot to unpack there. Um, when I'll, I will say this. Uh, when I started in the WWE, uh, the WWE had just absorbed WCW and ECW. Mm-hmm. And, the ro- and also uh, had two developmental territories. And the rosters were... Um, Abundant is, 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 is probably a good word. So when I started in the WWE, there, there were releases twice a year. And it created stakes for developmental talent, and it created stakes for uh, talent to try to make a name for themselves. Because we, we just knew. We knew that on a calendar year, uh, shortly after WrestleMania, and either before or after the holidays, there would be cuts. There always were. And that, that seemed to stop. Uh, man, right around when we really began to redefine ourselves with our new, like our new school, I'll, I'll say like the ruthless aggression era style of characters, me, Brock, uh, Randy, Dave, when we, when those guys began to anchor in, 
and develop the program going forward into the next decade and more. Um, and we, we started to expand our reach. We started to have more programming. Uh, the talent rosters started to get big. And then it became, I think a lot of it, WWE's hiring strategy, I think a lot of it might have, and this is, once again, I'm not thinking for the WWE. This is just me posing a different perspective. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of it might have been a little slightly defensive hiring because there was a, there was and still is a giant boom right now in sports entertainment. People are absorbing this content. They're engaging. Uh, you know, people are making a name for themselves outside of the WWE. It's no longer a one-stop shop. So I think with this flux of uh, passionate people who love sports entertainment, people do get a name for themselves outside the WWE. And if, if the WWE feels maybe that they can be a fit in that world, they're going to try to give that person a shot. Uh, they're also really um, they're really bullish on continuing to hire new talent. So the the, the NXT Performance Center is, is I don't want to say overwhelmed, but they're they're at max capacity. So you have all of these performers, and a lot of them, you know, aren't aren't getting a chance to perform. And I think I think that's the real frustrating thing, uh, both to the WWE and from a, a stance of a performer. And Unfortunately, at the end of the day, uh, it, is, it is a business. And I, I remember when I started in the WWE, uh, I, want, I want to use the word fortunate. I was fortunate enough to be at the show in Atlanta where Stone Cold Steve Austin was fired. And that moment right there, um, it, it, it shot through me like a cannon because I got the impression that if they could fire Stone Cold Steve Austin, unless your name was Vince McMahon, everyone is replaceable. And I, I think uh, a lot of the frustration from, from the audience out there is they, they, view, they view sports entertainment like I do. I love watching matches. I love seeing potential in human beings. I love seeing potential in performers. And I see potential in everybody, especially when people begin to define what they would call a gimmick or a personality. I, I love to be able to try to run with it on conversations to see how far we can take it. But there is only so many spots. There is only so much programming. And I understand from a business standpoint the, the amount of releases that have had to, had to happen. Uh, if the company justifies that, hey, this is the move we're making, we want to carry less talent, it has, it has very little to do with uh, profit loss margin. If the company's strategy is to run on a lean roster, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. You run on a lean roster. If the company strategy is to, to run on a, a fat roster, I remember when we had stacks of performers and the stock price was at seven bucks. It's just the directive that the company was given to run on a talent heavy roster or a talent lean roster. And I know um, obviously this is a touchy subject and it's going to elicit perspective from everyone and everyone certainly is entitled to their perspective. I think, I think the sad thing here is people who, who are, have this gift uh, aren't being allowed to use it, and people, you know, people are out of a job, and that that is the absolute saddest thing that, that people no longer can uh, work at a company that, that they called home for a period of time. Uh, I feel for everybody who's, who's had to go in that direction, but I'm, all all of us, uh, myself included, our journey will eventually have an end. And when when you're in it, sometimes you don't have that perspective. But I personally. Uh, from a, from my early days in the WWE, always had the perspective that it could be over tomorrow for any and all of us. Because if they can fire Steve Austin, 
there's no way I'm even close to his ability, and that means that they can fire me. But that's just the culture I was brought up in. I was brought, in, brought up in biannual cuts, and it happened all the time. And I just think we went through, WWE went through such a long period of not releasing anybody, and now they're kind of getting back into that rhythm again that it is a very abrupt shift to somebody who's not familiar with that. And I do, my heart goes out to everybody who, uh, who has to get that, that sad news because it's, it's, it is, that's a, that's a, that's a tough conversation to have. John Cena, I really appreciate that yeah. answer Thank and you. the Thank time you. and the conversation. And uh, we end Rich, with... You said you were going to get deep. You were not kidding. No, you know, <laughs> I, I, I got deep and then uh, my, my guy TJ Jefferson got deeper. And uh, I appreciate you going there wherever uh, we took you. And uh, I guess last question uh, for, my, for my children, uh, is there more Ferdinand anywhere? <laughs> oh, man, I hope so. I loved doing that. What I a beautiful... Carlos and beautiful. I'm, I'm really glad that you say you were known as Ferdinand in my house. That's, a, that's it's true. That's I was very proud of, so thank you. Absolutely. Absolutely true. Because I, I also need you to get more Peyton Manning in, uh, in, in, in some... Yeah, you we, know, in some we call animation. him Rich. Do me a favor. Don't let your kids watch Peacemaker just yet. <laughs> <laughs> Ferd, Ferdinand's the gateway. first. Yeah. And then see if it's okay for them. It won't be okay for them, but that's for you to judge as a parent. The, the gateway is Ferdinand Wipeout Peacemaker. That's the yeah, gateway. Yeah, that's a 20-year timeline. Right <laughs> Take care of yourself, John Cena. Always appreciate it. Take Thank care. Thank you so much. You got it. At John Cena on Twitter, Instagram. Check out Peacemaker on HBO Max Thursday. And tonight, the premiere, again, of Wipeout on TBS. How about that answer, TJ? I mean, I feel like I, if there was any doubt about me after my Roman Reigns question, I feel like I you know, redeem myself. Uh, TJ, I think this is what we call uh, bounce back ability. <laughs> You've got the bounce back ability. And he really gave, he really went deep with that answer. It's, it was it, great. And, yeah. and, and you did what uh, a good interviewer should do, which is give him an out mm-hmm. prior to asking the question in case he is busy. and mm-hmm. walk. I think he pays very much attention to what's going it, on does seem, especially <laughs> you, from that answer does you know what i mean like you're like hey i don't know if you're focused as much on it blah 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 but oh yeah what did you think of his answer i thought it was a great answer i mean look he he kind of looked at it from all sets from all sides you know from the business point of view this is how they want to run their business and there's obviously nothing you can do about that right but also these people who are getting let go he also you know, looked at it from a now you get a chance to go do what you love to do maybe elsewhere. Whereas if you stayed there, you be on the sidelines. But and then, fans are upset by the number of releases. Yeah, there, I mean, there's a ton of people getting released, and it's really kind of shocking to a lot of fans. And everyone's kind of wondering, you know, what the deal is. So it, it it's you know, and also like I said, from John, who was a top guy, to have all of these people get released. These are people who you could be making money with yeah. and creating like classics with. So. That's probably what I, I honest to goodness, it's what I wanted to ask Roman that day, but I realized he, <laughs> he may have been too close to the situation, whereas he might not have been able to fully answer that as openly as John would because right. John's not, you know, so actively you're, you're, with the company. Your flop question was then uh, I don't think it was a flop necessarily. Chris, but uh, you know, Chris, you, you non wrestling fans didn't get it. So Chris? Your Roman's way, yeah. Your Roman Reigns question was. Oh, and by the way, uh, speaking. uh, We love you. Now that we heard that uh, uh, Price is right, um, lost trombone, right? Um, You, TJ, you beat Michael Irvin in the Dallas Cowboys guess the final record game Uh with the Price is right win. You were closest. 
without and he, going over. Yeah. And he went over. You know? So you won in prices right and here as well. Congratulations. You get a popcorn machine. Hey. Hey. And a ping pong in. table that you say is way too heavy to bring in here. Yeah, we're going to need some assistance. Uh, let's take a break. <laughs> we'll come back. <laughs> empty the phone banks to wrap up this show. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Okay, everybody. I was expecting to hear from him today. I saw him on the phone line earlier in hour one. He dropped off, but now he's back, which I'm glad. I'm glad to see. Sideline Mike in the ATL. Congratulations, Sideline Mike. Sideline Michael, congratulations. Thank you, sir. Uh, TJ, how about them Cowboys? Yes, sir. Ah, you Papa Doc me last week, Rich. You know that, right? <laughs> what, what did I do? You Papa Doc me. You Papa Doc me last week. Yeah. yeah. What did I do? Uh, what did I do? You know? So no, man. You, you know, you were just talking about what a great season you had. Yeah. You took all my steam out of it because I was going to say that Hudson boy still on a milk carton somewhere. <laughs> and the other guy, you know, you know, you know I, I, I was wondering, did they make the trip, actually? But, you know, all I'm saying is, brother, we saved y'all. From getting embarrassed last night. Now, the last time the Georgia Bulldogs were national champions, gentlemen, I was 19 years old. I am 59 years old today. Hopefully to be 60 in July. So, when Stetson Bennett the fourth got sacked on the second play, running for a first down, and any split just drops the ball. Yep. I'm like, you know, you don't know about this Isaac Brothers song. I know TJ knows about it. Hey, TJ, what was in the back of my mind was, here we go again. <laughs> so, I was like, hey, man. And then he fumbles the ball out of bounds. Now, mind you, I'm at work. <laughs> I saw the first half, had to go to work the second half, got my son giving me highlights. And then all of a sudden, I'm in the car. And I hear Stetson Bennett for drops a dime Dead. at 50 yards on a free play because an Alabama defense alignment is offside. And I'm like, maybe we got a chance. Maybe. Just maybe. Now, Mr. Brockman, I understand you got a lot of Georgia gear on over there. He does. I'm ready to and go, this man. this is what I said on Facebook, gentlemen. This is what I said. I said, I will be as humble in winning as I have been the last 41 years in defeat. Because everybody thought I was just going to be hanging from the chandelier. Because this is what I know, gentlemen. I know Nick Saban does not waste a loss. I know that number 31 
who's unblockable the first half of the game, he is. is a sophomore. And I know that 90% of the team that we took to the woodshed in the fourth quarter is going to be back next year. Yep. And we're going to have about 15 guys going to draft. So all I'm going to say is this. I'm going to enjoy this, but when I tell you Nick Saban is going to make the rest of the league pay for that ass whooping he took last night, man, somebody's going to pay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank Somebody's you. Somebody's going to pay. Sideline Mike, everybody. Mike, yo. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Congratulations, <laughs> sir. After all we've been through, I keep coming you back to you. You know what's going to come up is this kid, Will Anderson, who's so damn good. He's a sophomore. He's okay. so good. People are going to already start talking about uh, if he should just tap out. Yeah. Not yeah. Yeah. Michael Parsons didn't play. Look at him. Jamar Chase didn't play. Look at him. What's, Those, what's the upside from the play next year? Well, he plays and he gets another year going in the Alabama system. And that's what I'm saying. Like, there, we've now reached a point where there's – forget about opt-out of bowl games. There's going to be conversations about opting out of entire playing seasons because the offensive and defensive rookies of the year in the National Football League who are game changers for both – teams jamar chase in cincinnati and micah parsons in dallas they did not play football last year different circumstances as to why i'm telling you what's coming to i think i'm a seer i see things ahead you know, did you break out the magic eight ball? Uh, I mean, already, or? already. Kyrie Irving, Nets win. You know, I mean, the Nets had a win at home overtime against what San Antonio over the weekend. Got smoked by Milwaukee without him. It's already coming. It's already coming. It's not Kyrie's choice to not take a shot. It's New York's choice to demand that he takes a shot in order to play. And you know, tri-state area people can't do that. Maybe he should move to Pennsylvania, set up shop in Pennsylvania. And then f- helicopter in, and thus he'll, he can get around the, the COVID rules in New York City. It's a tri-state area resident can't work in a spot like Barclays Center. So you're saying he should play for the Sixers? Um, no, I'm saying he should just say, I moved to Pennsylvania. <laughs> I don't think, I don't think and I'll that play every single it? home game. Yeah, it's a tri-state. It's a rule for tri-state area. So if he literally lived in Pennsylvania, he could play in these games? I guess. Like, what's the closest to Brooklyn? Well, J.J. Reddick used to live in Brooklyn when he played for the Sixers, so it's pretty close. I'm just saying. I mean, it's doable. I'm just saying. You can do that. Easy. But I'm telling you, they're going to have conversations. Should, should kids who have already put an insane game-changing ability on tape after just a year or two just keep playing? I'm okay with that. That's the next step. What a game to what a show today. John Cena and Fred Warner and then Eddie George and Michael Irvin and David Bakhtiari. Thanks for taking in Tuesday. We'll take you to Brother from Another on Peacock next. This is the Rich Eisen Show. show.